0: I know today is football day and people, I've had several, hey, do we do dress up days every Sunday? Well, next week is actually stretchy pants Sunday, all right, right after Thanksgiving, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Now, uh, just for the record, I've had several people be like, every Sunday, bro, every Sunday, Uh, so that's awesome. But we are very glad that you are here, and you may notice, again, if you're visiting with us, uh, my name's Rusty, I'm the senior pastor here, and you might think, this is kind of a weird place. Well, let me, number one, affirm that, yes, uh, we are kind of a weird place. But number two, we've been wearing different sports teams gear all through this month because we have celebrated a series called Game On, and you've seen back here on the screens at different point in time, Stop. Uh, watching and start playing. Basically, what the invitation of this series has been is to be intentional about life. Don't just let it go by, but instead get in the game and experience what God has for you. Do you know that you were created by God to live for His, his purposes and to make a difference in the world for him? That's why God created you, and you have a great purpose if we would just walk in it as the people of God. In the first week of that series, we talked about, what it meant for us to have a fresh start, that the gospel of Jesus Christ has given us the chance to literally start over. He gives us new life and a new mission. Then the next week we talked about, and that was just last week, that new mission was that we are to love God And we're to love people and we sent you out of here with a post-it notepad and we asked you to stick those reminders all around your house to remind you of the mission to love God and love people. I hope that went well for you and I hope you took some others and put them around to remind others that Jesus loves them. If you didn't get to do that and you want to do that, there are still some sticky pads back there. I only ordered like 5,000. I was expecting a big day, all right? Uh, but we, we are thankful for the work God has done and the work he's going to continue to do. Today we're going to shift gears just a bit, but we're going to talk about worship and the importance of what worship is and what that means for us as the people of God. Now when we talk about worship, I think a lot of times we get it confused and we think of a lot of different things, but today we're going to talk about worship and celebrating God and his goodness and what that means for us. Of course, we're wearing football gear today, so naturally, it reminds me of what used to be called the No Fun League until a couple of years ago, the NFL had greatly restricted celebrating touchdowns. Do you remember that? You couldn't do really anything, and they would throw a flag and give 15 yards to the other team if you did much of anything. A couple of years ago, they took that restriction off, and now it has been crazy, right? Every single week... The highlights now include how the players celebrate in the end zone. Some of you are maybe old school like me, and you're like, ah, just act like you've been there. Can I just tell you, I was always, celebration was a part of my athletics because I was never there. So if by some miracle I got there, there was no way to pretend like I had been there before, because it was just not even in my brain. So uh, celebrations happen all the time. But what's weird is that in today's NFL, they're scoring like 40 or 50 points a game. So it seems like there's always a celebration happening. And as I was thinking about this message, it came to my mind that as the people of God, we ought to be living as if we're in the end zone all the time. We ought to be a people of celebration. We should be people who worship in everything we do. And worship is our way of celebrating God. So God's word today in Psalm 100 is going to show us how we can become that people of worship. So let's read the word. We'll pray together and we'll dive in and ask God to help us. Psalm 100. The word of the Lord says this Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. You pray with me, Lord, we're thankful for your love and your faithfulness. And God, my prayer is that today we would worship you in spirit and truth, that we would respond to your love and faithfulness by living a life of surrender. Teach us through your word. We don't wanna walk out of here feeling smarter. We don't wanna walk out of here uh, really feeling anything other than thankfulness And actually being changed by your Holy Spirit. I can't do that. No preacher can do that. No worship service can do that. But your Holy Spirit can change our lives right now. So we're asking you to do your work as we study your word together. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, worship, as I said earlier, means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Usually when we talk about worship, the first thought in our minds is the music portion of our services. We have Pastor Lofano, who is our worship pastor, so naturally, worship must be the music. Well, while music is a part of worship, certainly the reality is is that worship goes way beyond that. The truth is, everything we do in this life is worship. Let me give you a real simple definition. This comes from Pastor Louis Giglio, a definition I came across uh, probably 10, 15 years ago that has stuck with me ever since. If you're taking notes, this is a great thing to jot down, worship is our response to what we value the most. Our response to what we value the most. That's what worship is. So here's something you need to understand today. Everyone is a worshiper. Everyone is a worshiper. Everyone worships something. Our worship is tied to the things that we value the most. You may be an atheist, you may be an agnostic, but the reality is you are still a worshiper. Our lives tend to be lined up with our values. The shape of your life takes form around what matters the most in your life. Let me illustrate it this way. Some of you have a family. Some of you are young parents with young families. So you would say, man, my family is what I value the most. So your family is what shapes your life. You spend your time corralling kids, running around doing stuff for your kids, and with your kids, that's what your life is all about. Some of you might say, well, my life revolves around politics. I value politics. Then your life is gonna be molded and shaped by politics. Some of you may say, well, my life is about money. So if you're pursuing money, your whole life's gonna be wrapped in that. Your work, the way you save, the way you spend, everything tends to be formed by that. Our lives tend to take the shape of what we value. So the question naturally becomes for you and I, what do we value the most in our lives? What has that place on the throne of your heart? You'll notice the things that I said were not in and of themselves bad things. Money is not in and of itself a bad thing. I don't have a problem with money, do you? (laughs) no, hey. Family, certainly no one would say that's a bad thing. Even our job and our careers, these are good things that God has blessed us with, but it becomes very dangerous if these gifts of God end up becoming the thing we value above everything else. Because even good things in our lives can become idols. So the reality is for us as the people of God is that we need to value Jesus above everything. Everything. And when Jesus is of the most value in our lives, then all those things under that are shaped by it. Your family is shaped by it. Your finances are shaped by it. Even your politics will be shaped by it. When Jesus is who we value and what we value the most, then it's going to change the way we live every area of our lives. We respond to what we value the most. That's worship. And when we worship Jesus, it begins to shape every facet of our lives. This is what worship looks like. And that's what this text is going to point us towards. The book of Psalms is a big book in the middle of your Bible. If you ever did Bible drill back in the day, you get to Psalms pretty quick, just open it right up to the middle and you're there. I got a heavy Bible. Did y'all hear that? Boom. That means I'm a super Christian. Nah, just kidding. Just kidding. I have to have a big Bible because, breaking news, I'm a big guy, right? Right? I, I used to have a little small Bible and it just looks like I'm up here, you know, like holding a deck of cards. I'm like, what are you doing up there, man? The book of Psalms, the biggest book in the Bible, is essentially a collection of songs. That's what the word psalm means. I call this the Hebrew hymnal. It's full of songs, and I love the book of Psalms. So many wonderful, wonderful passages in here that mean so much to so many people. But this is a song in particular, right here in Psalm 100, that we oftentimes pull out at this time of year. If you have a church background, there's a good chance you've heard this text, Preached on this Sunday as we kind of take time as a nation to sit back and be thankful and think about giving thanks. We're reminded of songs like this from God's Word, but you need to understand that this call to thanksgiving and this call to worship is not a once a year text for us, but this is a call of God to His people that ought to change the way we look at our lives all the way around. This song is broken up into for stanzas. You know how a song will have like a verse and a chorus and all that? I didn't wanna use the word verses because there's actual Bible verses and I was gonna, this verse, verse and verse gets confusing so I'm gonna use the word stanza and act like that's normal. Are y'all with me? Okay, the first stanza, if you will, and I will, is in verses one and two. The first stanza here says to shout for joy, to worship with gladness and come before the Lord with joyful songs. This is a clear command, isn't it? It's not like, hey, guys, I mean, like, if you're not busy. No, it's a clear command. Worship the Lord. This call isn't just for you and me. Notice what it says at the end of that. It's a call for all the earth. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. God desires that all the world would know and worship him. And the reality is there is going to come a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But God loves you and me enough that he gives us the opportunity to know him and experience his love today. Isn't that a great blessing? So if you skip down with me now to verse four, technically the third stanza, we're gonna see this call to enter his gates with thanksgiving and to enter his courts with praise. Give thanks, praise, again, a clear call, a clear command to rejoice, to praise God, to thank him for his goodness. For the people who would originally read this song and hear this song sung in their gatherings, this was very literal. They would travel to go worship at the temple yearly to make sacrifices. Could you imagine the joy and excitement they must have felt as they went for that gathering? Yet here's what's crazy to me, and I think you need to understand what kind of joy and praise and thanksgiving that we as the people of God have today. It says when we enter his courts, when we enter into his presence, do so joyfully. Hey, Christ follower, did you know that the Bible says the fullness of God dwells in Jesus and the fullness of Jesus dwells within you through the Holy Spirit? You were always in his courts, You were always in his presence, so how much more should we as the people of God be a people of rejoicing, a people of thanksgiving, a people of worship? God has been good, so the call is to rejoice, praise him, thank him. This is a clear command, worship the Lord. But this is where we need to stop down for just a moment, because Our misconceptions of what worship is cause problems for us, because in our culture, the idea of worship tends to be linked to our feelings and our emotions. You ever hear people use language like this, and it's probably been you, I've said things like this, I just can't really worship fill in the blank. You know, like, I mean, there's just too much lights, or there's not enough lights, or there's not enough of this kind of song, or that kind of song, or I really just can't worship. There were too many Chiefs jerseys. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to throw that out there. But have you said things like that before? Well, I just can't worship. And that's, that's just talking about, like, corporate life. What about personally? Personally. We know we want to worship personally. Well, hey, good luck trying to have a good worship time at home when you have children, okay? And maybe trying to worship through your work. How do you do that when your boss is a jerk? I always give a moment and just make sure my staff's not going to amen. I'm glad they didn't. Our worship can become difficult when we say things literally like this sometimes. I'm just not feeling it. You ever said that? I wasn't feeling it today. I said a couple weeks ago, it's a joy for me to get to worship twice. I actually enjoy that most weeks. But, but the staff can tell you, Pastor Lathaniel, I was a worship pastor as well. Sometimes the worship pastor isn't feeling it. He didn't amen that, but I, I'll just amen it for him. It's true. It's a reality. But here's what the Word of God is going to do, and this is so good. It's so important that we see this It's gonna teach us here that worship is not dependent on our feelings, but rather worship flows from our knowledge of God. Worship flows from our knowledge of God, not our feelings. Why is this important? Because your feelings are always changing. The roller coaster of your feelings and emotions are not going to have you in a consistent rhythm of worship. Instead, you are going to be up and down with your emotions that are always changing. At the heart of this, the real issue is that we're worshiping ourselves and not the Lord. When we're the most important person in the world, how we feel ends up dictating our worship. Notice that the song here in Psalm 100 doesn't say, shout for joy all the earth. Everybody get excited and praise and thank God because your life's been pretty good and you're happy. Well it didn't say that, did it? Instead, The word of God is going to not appeal to us and our feelings, but instead it's going to link our worship of God to what we know about God. Look at the second stanza here in verse 3. It says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Church, this is beautiful language. This is relational, isn't it? It's saying we belong to him and he is ours. We have this connection to God. We really can know him. So we want to worship him. And down in verse 5, it's going to say, for the Lord is good. and His love endures forever. He is faithful. Do you see this pattern here? Worship him because we know him. Worship him because we've experienced his love and his faithfulness. Our worship flows from our knowledge of God. And here's why that's a game changer. Our emotions, our circumstances, our feelings, they're constantly changing. Like the Kansas weather, right? Always changing. But we serve a God who never changes. In the midst of whatever you're walking through the day, in the midst of the struggles, we have a constant, we have an unchanging God whose love and faithfulness are never failing and he is for you today, he loves you today. So wherever you are at, whatever you're walking through today, he stands ready to change your life and you can be a worshiper. When we value Jesus above everything, our lives begin to actually take the shape of him. We become more like him and we can be in celebration mode all the time. There's nothing more powerful than when we see people we love worship God in the midst of their difficulties. Haven't you been there? Have you seen seen friends, family, loved ones that were dying, yet they were having a sickness that might be ravaging their body, yet they had great confidence in the Lord their God? because their faithful, loving God was right there with them, and though their flesh was failing, he was not. That's the kind of hope we need today if we're going to make it, right? This is what we need if we're going to be God's people. Christ has given us victory through his death, burial, and resurrection, and nothing is going to change that victory. Friends, hear me when I say this. The game is over, and Christ has won it for us. He has won it for us. So we as the people of God have his love and faithfulness to fall back on. It's not dependent on you. Let me say that again, it's not dependent on you. Thank God, all right? The three most dangerous words in the church are I got this. Can I tell you what happens when I got this happens? Things break. Kind of like the live feed last week. I don't know who did that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sean didn't name in. I'm thankful. Hey, by the way, Sean's going to be mad at me for saying this. I'm thankful for Sean. He helped us get all this back up and running, and now we're on Facebook. It's awesome. really appreciate it. Yeah, give, give a <laughs> round of applause. <laughs> He's like, I'm taking down the live feed now. My name's not going over the air. No, we're we're very thankful, but the most dangerous words in the Christian life are, I got this. The moment you start to think you got this is the moment that you are in a bad way, friends. In a bad way. Good news of the gospel is that it's not dependent on you. The game is over, the victory is won because it depends on God's unchanging love and faithfulness. He's such a good God. This is why we ought to be a people who are in constant victory celebration. What does this look like? Well, since it's football day, let's go this route. When a team has the ball at the end of the game and they have a lead, they're gonna try to run out the clock, especially when it gets down to the final couple of minutes. So they will line up and if you've watched football, you've seen this, right? They're gonna snap the ball and what's the quarterback gonna do? He's gonna step back, wait a couple seconds and he's gonna kneel down, right? It's what they call the victory formation. The game is sure, the victory is won, but the game isn't over yet, so they've got to line up appropriately. Christ follower, hear me when I say this. Jesus has won the game. The victory is over, but we're still here, so we've got to line up accordingly. What does the victory formation look like in our lives? How can you line up in victory formation today? Well, the first thing is this. You and I have to know God. We have to know God. As we discovered in this text, our worship of God flows from our knowledge of God. So we need to know him more and more. But listen to me, there is a difference between knowing God and knowing God. There's a difference between knowing God and knowing God. Now, if you're taking notes and write that down, keep taking notes. Otherwise, that's going to look really weird when you look at it later. I'm wearing the jersey today of quite possibly the all-time greatest color commentator in football history. He's pretty good in the booth, y'all, he's pretty good in the booth, all right? And and I can just tell you, I know a whole lot about Tony Romo, undrafted from Eastern Illinois, where he was there with Sean Payton, I saw a, a jersey somewhere, a Saints fan earlier. And he has a wife named Candace. They have two little boys They go to church at the Village Church in Dallas. He's a believer, so now you have to like him. It doesn't matter for, uh, you know, Chiefs fans, Chiefs players, but for Cowboys fans, give him a pass. But I I don't know all kinds of details about his life. I've just, you know, follow him on Instagram. So you kind of see some stuff about his life and you kind of know a lot about him. But let me just tell you, if Tony walked through those back doors right now, I would be excited and I'd be like, Tony, my man, what's going on? And he would probably be like, "Uh, security, watch that guy. He's too excited. But I would say, how are you doing, man? And his question would be, who are you? Because though I know a lot about Tony Romo, I don't actually know Tony Romo, do I? Here's what concerns me today. I'm afraid that many people in the church know God like I know Tony Romo. You know all the stats, we we know all the lines, we know all the history, you might even have the jersey, you show up at the games, you do the right things, say the right things, you're in the right places, but you don't have a real relationship with him. You don't really know him, you haven't experienced him. Some of you have heard the saying, the old saying that preachers use, that the greatest distance in the world is the 12 inches from your head to your heart. We don't just want to know about God, but we need to truly know him, to experience him and have a real relationship with him. How do we experience God first? Salvation. We have to know him as our Lord and Savior. You can know Jesus today. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can experience him today. He wants to be your Lord and Savior today. We're gonna get in the victory formation. We've gotta start by actually experiencing him. But as you've heard me say over the last several weeks, salvation is not the finish line of the Christian life, is it? It's the starting point. It's where our whole life gets started. This experience of God is something that should be happening day in and day out. We need to be developing our relationship with God through talking to him in prayer and letting him speak back to us through his word. You know that's a two-way street, right? That, that's how developing a relationship works, communicating with each other. We have to speak to him in prayer, and he speaks back and responds through the word of God. So we want to experience him daily in that way. Crossroad, friends, guests who are here with us today, I can't stress to you enough how important this is. As we think about letting our knowledge of God lead us to worshiping God This daily experience of God is what helps us keep our minds on him. On days when I have spent time in the word of God, when my emotions and my feelings and my circumstances try to distract me and derail my day, can I tell you what happens? I'm reminded of God's truth. When I'm saturated in his truth and have spent time with him, it changes the way that I face my day. But on days when I'm not, can I tell you, I'm that roller coaster that we talked about earlier. Up and down, constantly changing. We need to spend time daily with God and let his truth inform every single aspect of our lives. That's what it means to know God and really walk with him. Isn't it incredible that we have a God that not only wants to know us, but a God that can be known? That the God of all creation, the God who the book of Colossians says is holding the universe together. He created everything and he's holding the entire universe together with his mouth, his word. But that same God wants to have a real relationship with you and me. That's something that we ought to be able to celebrate today. That ought to change every aspect of our lives that God is real and that he is here and that he knows you completely and gives us the opportunity to know him and to have a real relationship with him. Talk about thanksgiving. We ought to be a people of rejoicing today. Life-changing. Are you cultivating that relationship with God where the victory formation starts? But as we see in this text, knowing God is going to naturally lead to worship of God. We have to worship God. God, we know God and then we worship God. We defined worship earlier as this, our response to what we value the most. I'm gonna say it one more time, that'll be four today, so I'm hoping you remember this definition. Worship is our response to what we value the most. So when we know God, we know his worth. And we know that he is of infinite value. And this command to worship God changes, our perspective changes. Listen, again, the Bible is very clear. This is not optional. It doesn't say, hey, if you feel like it and everything's cool, then shout for joy and worship the Lord. No, it is a command worship Him. Give thanksgiving to Him. Enter His courts with praise. Be a people of thanksgiving to command of God. But here's what's nuts about this when you really start to know God and experience Him daily, Our love becomes something that naturally turns into worship. This just happens. Instead of being a command, it's not like, well, I'm commanded to do it, so I'm going to worship him. No, we know him, so our natural response is to worship. I don't worship my wife, but I love my wife. We had an anniversary just a couple weeks ago, right? Two weeks ago? Yeah. Oh, man, y'all should have been there. I did it up nice. (laughs) Real nice, we went out and we got some ice cream. So Kim was there, she's a witness. It was great. I actually, I didn't get my wife ice cream though. Wait a second. Okay, we had a great time. We, we got some pizza on the way home, just really top shelf type of date night stuff, right? Do you know if Mallory were to say, hey, Rusty, thank you so much for our anniversary day and what we've done. And if I looked at her and was like, what husbands have to do, and turn around and walked off, Ladies, how that? how's that gonna go? Not good, not good. Hey, if you're newly married in here, not good, okay? Take that answer. It's just not how it would work. Because she didn't want me to just to do it because I'm supposed to do it, but my love for her causes me to want to bless her and to give her good gifts and to do great things for her. Like, that is just the natural thing. In the same way, listen, our love for God, the more we know him, the more we will love him and the more we experience him, the more we're going to find ourselves naturally becoming a people of worship. We don't have to do it because we're commanded to do it. It's natural. When we breathe in his new life, when we breathe in his mercy and his grace and his presence, the natural exhale is praise. We're breathing in his grace with every breath and we are breathing out his praise with every breath. As long as he puts breath in my lungs, I'm gonna keep praising him. That's what worship looks like. Romans 12:1 is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. I have it for you here on the screen. It says this, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. That phrase, true and proper worship, there is a word in there in the Greek language. That word is lagine, which doesn't mean anything to any of you. I'm just trying to impress you. Are you impressed? Okay, never mind. But what that means to us is that the word logic comes from that. Lagine is where we get the word logic. So essentially this could say this is your reasonable act of worship. This is your logical act of worship. Don't miss what this is saying. Paul's writing and he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, when you look at what Jesus has done for us in view of God's mercy, his death, burial, and resurrection that has given us new life, When you look at what Jesus has done and what he means to us, the only logical response, the only thing that even makes sense is to surrender everything we are to him, to become a living sacrifice. All I am is yours, God. What is worship? Complete surrender to God. Is music worship? Yes, music is worship. Are our services here worship? Yes, our services are worship. But here's the reality. You're a Christ follower. Everything we do is worship. Every single aspect of your life should be changed in view of God's mercy. The way we lead our families is worship. The way we go to work is worship. The way we spend our money is worship. The way we engage in politics is worship. Yikes, it's getting deep, isn't it? Everything we do is worship and service to God because he is worth surrendering every part of our lives for. You can have it all, Jesus. That's what it means to be a worshiper. Everything we do is worship. Church, this is the victory formation. The game's over. Jesus has won it for us and it's time for us to line up In the victorious formation, we do that by knowing him, experiencing him daily, and as we experience him daily, it's going to cause us to worship him with everything that we are. We're going to have a time of worship right now in song. I'm going to ask Pastor Lathano and our team to make their way up here. I was having a, a conversation with Pastor Bob this week, and we were thinking about how mainly high school and college teams, at the end of a game when the game is in hand, that they'll start to sing a school song. Have you ever experienced that? And before long, the entire stadium is just belting out a song of victory. The game is over. They're declaring the victory. It's time to sing the song. Today, what we're going to do, we're going to close with a song of worship and praise. We're going to get excited about what God has done for us. The victory has been given to us, so I want us to be a people who celebrate. I want to encourage you as Thanksgiving is this week. Many of you will have a lot going on. Some of you may not have a lot going on, but wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, can we take time that this... Nation has set aside to give thanks. We know what's really happening. Yes, we have a lot to be thankful for, but ultimately, every, that's what the Bible says, don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father. We have much to be thankful for, much to be grateful for. Take time to to slow down from whatever you're doing. Breathe in his grace. Breathe out his prayer just take a breath with me right now? Big breath. Let that breath out. Take time to recognize that God is here. Let's live in response to that. Will you stand? Let's celebrate together.